everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Be The Vessel podcast. My name is Daniel and I am an intuitive psychologist acting as a bridge between Western psychology and the spiritual realm. I interview those called to the healing arts with various ways of knowing, serving, and channeling the most powerful medicine for our collective return to wholeness. If you like what you hear and would like to support the podcast, which is an offering of love, please check out my Patreon page where you can offer support or become a member of the Be The Vessel community with exclusive monthly offerings. Johnny Sage is a Reiki master certified in oncology, kundalini, angel fire, and holy fire, usui, and karuna styles of practice, a combo practitioner, an advanced sacred geometry and crystal healer, a yoga instructor in the styles of Hatha, Kundalini, and Nidra, a Yuan method guide, sound facilitator, breathwork trainer, fara therapist, and spiritual coach. About 15 years ago, Johnny found himself struggling with a variety of mental and physical health conditions. From a place of hopelessness with no clear way out, Johnny began practicing with a variety of healing modalities outside the traditional access points no longer serving him. He committed to doing the inner and outer work necessary to turn his life around, and now uses his training and experience to guide others to walk the spiritual path of life. I met Johnny locally here in Pasadena, California, and have attended his workshops in person. He is a truly authentic guide and person, and I look forward to our continued relationship and collaborations. Please enjoy this episode with Johnny as we reflect on each of our spiritual paths the practice of slowing down, and looking toward the future of a new earth and collective shift in consciousness. May this episode be a gift, a medicine, and an invitation to awaken at your own time and readiness. Hey, Johnny, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for being here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So you have a number of expertise, uh, a number of modalities that you use, that you're trained in. Uh, I've experienced some of them myself. Though one I am particularly interested in that I have not experienced, uh, though I have uh, become quite familiar with just through other friends who who utilizes plant medicine as well, is, is the combo medicine. I know you're trained in administering combo and you've trained in the jungle and and I believe you also do you also do trainings uh so I would just I'm just fascinated by this medicine I would love it if you could speak a little bit to what combo is and how you were guided to uh to train in that medicine it's the secretion of the waxy monkey tree frog and it's essentially a poison it uses to ward off predators but when it's applied to people, it can be very healing and it's not poisonous, but there's an interesting way that you have to apply it. It's usually through little tiny burr marks on the skin, just the first layer. So it goes into the lymphatic system. So it's really superficial and it has many different properties that it can use to help you heal various ailments. And there's mental, physical, emotional, and even sometimes spiritual benefits to it as well. So how were you first introduced to the medicine? 
believe it or not, I was looking up ayahuasca and when you look it up, a lot of the research shows it goes hand in hand, especially if you go to a retreat in South America, they'll usually do combo first because it really cleans you out. It's a really good physical detox. So, and I, I didn't know really where to do ayahuasca in this state. So, but I saw combo and when I looked into it, that was available by me. So I reached out to a couple places and even though the videos I I was watching about it, especially even to this day, I still think like the first search results are pretty crazy. And it's not really like that, generally speaking, at least the way I what were the video what were the videos? Oh, the first result, it's always this like I think it's for the Playboy channel, and it's <laughs> it's like this lady did combo and aged 50 years, and then you watch it's nothing to do with that at all. Like she doesn't age whatsoever. Like the face gets a little puffy, but I, I it was just a clickbait title, yeah, you know. And, yeah, yeah. And then there's another video where these uh I think a couple guys did it in this village down in Brazil, and they get applied the medicine. And then they have to like run to the river and they're like tripping and falling. The medicine's kicking in. So I think they finally make it and just like drop face down in it. So it's like, I've never seen it apply that way, even in the jungle. So it's, I would go just on the videos you see. Okay. So what ultimately led you to doing it then? If it, So you were first introduced with some of these clickbaity videos that would probably turn people off, but but you kept pursuing. Yeah. And it's good. It turned some people off too, because like with this or really any of the plant medicines, I, I say it really has to call to you. Wait till, you, till it calls to you, till you do it. It's not something just to do on a whim, like, oh, this might be interesting to try. Really do your research, sit on it and wait till you really know it's for you. But to answer your question, I was going through depression and anxiety, even some PTSD. And it was, and from what I read, it dealt with all those to some extent. So I was, and I was willing to try pretty much anything at that point because a lot of the conventional methods didn't really work for me or they'd work temporarily, sometimes even making it worse in the long term. So I was at the point where I didn't really have anything to lose and I was becoming much more open-minded to the alternative healing. I knew I needed to do some healing, but I didn't, I still didn't have that answer, but this was calling to me from what it said that it could do. And, and so around what time or, or age were you going through this kind of uh, awakening and exploration of other modalities? I was around 35. So I started this, the healing journey a little bit later in life because well i should say it made me a little self-conscious too that i started late so i felt i had some catching up to do but i mean and now i know we're where we are when we're supposed to be there and in a way it's good as well that i started later because i still have all those experiences i remember trying all these things that didn't work for me so i could appreciate anything that did. And I can remember my old life that I don't want to go back to that. Yeah, I, I do find it funny when we think about the healing journey as like starting late or not enough time, because 
the healing journey itself, it's it's really it's timeless. And I mean, some people never start. So for some people, it's not even, it's not even within the realm of awareness. And on some level, we like, we see the, we see this, what we call the healing path and we compare it to like other avenues of achievement. Like when I made my first million or when I got this degree and it's like, oh, I didn't start my healing journey until blah, blah, blah. But it's like, it, in, in many ways, it's the antithesis. And like you said, in many ways, like you can't really start the healing journey that young. I mean, you know, imagine meeting someone's like, yeah, I started healing when I was six. It's like, no, I don't, I don't think you did because you don't really escape childhood unscathed. So we need to almost emerge out of that period of conditioning before we can start deconditioning in a way, right? Yeah, there's a couple of great points you mentioned. And I don't know if I've looked at it that way, but what do you think of it? So many people don't even do it at all. So just to, and not that you should compare yourself to anyone, but just to give ourselves credit that if you even do it at any age, that's better than someone who hasn't done it at all. And when you think about all the people that haven't done it, that's the vast majority. Like, I don't think anyone in my family's ever done it. So it's, we're really carving a new path for that we're setting forth on just trying new things and trying to find a better way of living and realizing that some of the patterns that were in our families probably weren't the most conducive to a healthy lifestyle, whether it's the diets, a way of thinking, the way we treat each other. So it's really interesting to see a lot of people talking about different ways of going about things, because it's really hard to make a change, especially when it's either a tradition or passed down in your lineage but you notice something that doesn't sit right with you and you're like no this is where it ends so the fact that me and you are talking about this really says something and there's others out there that are doing the same so you're right no one should ever be self-conscious that they're doing it later in life because i was mid-30s but there's people in their 40s or 50s that do it or even 60s and older 60s 70s 80 i mean you know you know it's like yeah, to be in your 30s and then to look, like you said, you know, we are the initiates of, you know, the current uh, the current iteration of a long line of generations and lineages of trauma and suffering. And like you said, you know, no one in your family was getting up to this, was was beating you to the punch here. So I'm curious, have you have you um, since you just mentioned your family hasn't really explored any of these modalities or ideas possibly have you have you shared your journey with them are they open to to the kinds of things that you do my mother was even though it's not particularly for her she was actually interested because she was a nurse and she did take a reiki class in her program so she she said it was really good and she even let me know had she found that Earlier on in her life, she would have probably went a more holistic way, either holistic nursing or something like that, developing a more comprehensive approach. Because she even went to school later in life, too. And like you said, it's never too late. But when you go the traditional route, sometimes it is hard. And she was actually closer to retirement age. Not exactly. But so but I could see her point. And yeah, so I was really glad I had her because that's how I found Reiki was just 
I went to get a massage and the massage therapist mentioned Reiki and she said how it worked on both her husband and this other client who was dealing with cancer at the time too. I don't remember the exact results, just that she said it helped him. And then when I asked my mom about it, that's what she told me that Reiki class story. And she, she told me it was legit. And there was someone else from back home too, who was talking about it too. She was a little out there, woo woo. So if it was just her, I might not have give it a try. But once my mom said that, I was like, you know what, I'll give it a try. And then when I I received it, I was really blown away. I was like, wow, there's really something to this. What did you experience that you hadn't gotten from some more traditional modalities? Relaxation. There was, and I, it was interesting because I didn't know how she was doing it. I was wide awake, but i went to sleep within probably 10 minutes of starting to receive it in around an hour session. And she even let me sleep a little bit longer than the session too, for probably an additional 10 or 20 minutes. I thought the session was still going. Otherwise I probably would have, I think I even laid there longer than that, but otherwise I probably would have got it up. But yeah, that was a really interesting effect of it. And also I felt the warmth in her hands. I didn't know what was causing it, but between those two factors, I knew it was doing something. Yeah, so you had these kind of signs and signals and, and your own witnessing experience that were pointing you to something something deeper, something that felt um, like an aspect of healing you hadn't been exposed to. And it, it's really interesting, I think, because I think about this too, relaxation, you know, on some level, maybe, you know, in sort of the clinical world where I came from, if you were just to speak about relaxation, that might seem really um, simplistic compared to like the complexities of analyzing someone's early life and trauma. And yet at the same time, the like 99% of our society has no idea how to relax. So like, it's really important. It's, it, it's really, and it's really the foundation of healing. And this is really... This is well, this is what crosses over to neuroscience and nervous system language is learning how to regulate the nervous system for real, learning how to feel safe for real, learning how to relax for real, not just like on the surface of quote unquote blowing off steam or engaging in activities that like seem fun but don't actually help the body relax. So for me, that was an enormous gift after like, you know, 30 plus years actually learning what it means to feel safe in my body, what it means to actually relax versus the times throughout my life I thought I was relaxing when I, on some level, I was still carrying all this this tension and fear. Yeah, and in my, at least on my dad's side of the family, from what I gathered, it seemed if they were just sitting around, they would get picked on. If you were just sitting there, so you always had to be busy doing something. Otherwise, you were seen as lazy. And I don't think it was just my dad's family. I think that was kind of an attitude in that generation as well. Hard work was what was rewarded. And just always be working, always be striving for something, just achieve. That's where your worth was derived from. But now we're realizing that's not who we are, what we achieve or accomplish. There's more to it. And we are allowed to rest. There's so much value in that. We're not machines. We actually need to. 
And and I think you're touching on something that is so important. Um, wherever you are in the healing arts, whether you're in, you know, the world of psychology or medicine or or more holistic medicines, we we don't, at least in the Western world, we do not often practice what we preach. There's so much burnout because we're, we're wanting to be of service and there can be a lot of ambition, but there can be some of that, you know, the ego creeps in, the, the drive for success and notoriety. And, uh, you know, when I was working at a clinic, it was just commonplace to work 50, 60 hours a week, you know, just packing your schedule with back-to-back clients, you know, eight to 10 clients a day, like, and, and yet we're trying to support healing. We're trying to support healing. And, and these um, clinicians, including myself, are, are taking no time, taking no time. It's, it's so antithetical. And I think it's really in our face about how backwards it is. Part of my journey was letting go a lot of that and starting to restructure my life in a way that wasn't just filled with busyness after years of grad school and and then transitioning right into a career that just that just loads you up. It's just where it's commonplace to overload your your caseload and always and almost like there's almost like a a badge of pride to be like taking on more than you can handle. And it's just not it's not aligned. It's it's we're not we're not really modeling how to how to be with ourselves in a compassionate way, acknowledging that the life path is ebb and flow and that there really is no timeline. There really is no timeline. It, it you know, birth and death, it, there's not something you need to, it's not a race. <laughs> it's, it's not a race. There's no finish line. There's no finish line. And depending on your, on your views, you know, we just, we just are non-physical beings. We just, we just keep going. So yeah, I think you're touching on something quite important that, you know, you notice in your personal lineage, but carries over even outside of those, you know, generational patterns into, into the fields that, that we're in, that may be conveying the very message that, that rest is important. Yeah. And how do you recommend reminding yourself of that? Because I know that. And even though I do, sometimes it's easy to forget that because everything you look at is pretty much fast paced. Even though most of my social media friends are in the spiritual community or healers, they're always go, go, go too. They always have a new event or doing this or doing that. Exactly. Exactly. So there's not much in the outside world to remind us of that, that we need to that it's not just what we see, that that world's not even real. So I was just wondering if you had any personal recommendations for that. Yeah. And uh, so I'll share for me personally, it was, it was really a matter of desperation. Like my, so my story is one of debilitating pain and fatigue. That was, that was like 10 plus years. And so I, it, it was, my body was forcing me. My body was forced because I was at, at that point, when I had my license and uh, my degree, and I was, I was, I was working at this clinic. I, I seemingly got everything that I wanted from that, um, from that field, from that path, and I was still getting sick like every week. And so it was really out of desperation. So in terms of reminders, my body was, and my body will still remind me to this day. Like I am, you know, I have healed tremendously. I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. But 
my body is a finely tuned instrument and I'm, I'm just, what happens on the healing path and uh, from my perspective is we, we come back into the body. So we become more sensitized and, and hyper attuned to the nature of our body rather than just living like as talking heads so disconnected that we don't even know when we're stressed. We don't know when we're anxious. We don't know when we're tired. We don't know when we're hungry. We just, you know, chase dopamine and, and, uh, you know, and then develop all these conditions. I've become so much more sensitized to my body. And I was always a very sensitive person, but I tried to sort of push that away. That was sort of wrapped up in conditions of masculinity as being weak or whatever. Now I see it as a gift, but it's a, it's a finely tuned instrument. So my body keeps the score, you know, I really, I stay attuned with it. And if I'm, if I'm noticing, if I'm noticing my stress response getting activated, my, um, if I can't think, I mean, it's, you know, there's so many things that start to flare up that once you get familiar with it are just so obvious that we're not in alignment that I need um, to go for a walk that I need to, that, that I don't need to, but what I'm really invited to do is recognize the ego mind or the thinking mind that is pushing this belief that something needs to get done in this moment. And if I'm feeling like something really needs to get done, uh, I can, usually I can, I can recognize if I'm, if I'm not feeling well and I can reflect a bit on, on why and really sit with the reality of, um, do I need to be, do I need to be rushing? Do I need to be rushing? Chances are outside of like being late for the airport or something, I really don't need to be rushing. There's there's like rarely, like 90% of the time I think I need to be rushing. I really don't. And I think when I looked around uh, in in grad school and 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 where I was working after, it was just constant rushing. And it was, it was almost like a level of comfort for people. They just got used to this style of living that was basically a baseline of anxiety. And it was, again, it was like almost like a source of pride. You know, I remember I had supervisors who were like, yeah, I'll have to, sometimes we have to have meetings from the car because, you know, we have no time. And it was like, I don't know, is that funny? Is that like, do you prefer that? It it almost seemed like if they didn't have that, they wouldn't know what to do with themselves. And I think for me, it is a practice of allowing yourself to get a little bored, allowing yourself to see what happens when you intentionally choose rest, because likely what happens is a little discomfort gets stirred up because maybe beliefs around productivity show up and, or you check out social media and you start comparing yourself to your peers and you're like, oh, I don't have 10 events this week, you know, or, you know, whatever it is. And um, there's a lot of ways to go about it primarily for me is is incorporating a lot of daily practices starting with with when i wake up and and committing to 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 that time but i think it's also just continuing to recognize when that when those beliefs about comparison or needing to do more or needing to push ourselves are showing up and and just inquiring just inquiring how true that is how true that is because i've never healed by rushing and 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 truthfully, I'm not sure I've ever even really gotten what I really wanted by rushing. So I think it's helpful for me to reflect on how true those beliefs are when they seem to be leading the way. That was amazing insight. Thanks for sharing that. And I think that is 
a great way to deal with that. You've touched on so many great points. One of them is just how anxiety almost becomes an identity. The way our society is structured, anxiety just falls down upon us from every angle. And we just think that's normal. That's the way it is. That's the way we got to do it. But when you really analyze what humans are and pretty much any other animal or anything out, out there, anxiety is awful for us. We're not supposed to live that way at all. If you look at any other indicator or what makes sense in a sane world, so it's so nuts to me that this is the way our society is still going and functioning. We have this collective awakening with at least some of the people now, but we're still in this system. And that's what's very hard for the people that are awakening, especially if they're on those, especially if they're in that initial stage. And that's what will be interesting to find out like how do we change things around or if we can't change it around in this lifetime how can we live our best lives within this structure so like you said you're moving at your own pace that's right for you so you are healthy physically and mentally and you're functioning outside the matrix even though you might still be in it then yeah i think it's going to be so important because i think we are there are collective shifts happening. And even as we enter, what I have heard is is the age of technology and AI and the development of so many tools that very likely are going to make it so we just don't have to work as hard and or and portions of the population may not have to work at all. And I think the real uh, reconciling we will have to do is with this idea that that work doesn't have to be an identity and it doesn't yeah, it's amazing where arguably the most evolved beings on this planet, and yet we suffer the most <laughs> and, and um, are so conditioned to uh, believe that this anxious state is the way. And, and, and we have unique challenges with this thing we call the mind and, and this, this self-awareness or this awareness that we are aware. It has brought quite a few challenges but the true shift is is recognizing that we don't have to live in fear that it's not it's not necessary for achievement it's not necessary for success and and very soon it it will not be necessary on on a practical level likely and so yeah that at, at a foundational level i think that that is the that is one tenant of the of the shift in consciousness that is taking place on the planet Another great point you just brought up was it, when we're in that state of relaxation, a lot of stuff can come to us. I used to like to creatively write, and I would just always be thinking of what can I do? How can I make it more creative? What's an interesting idea I could add here? And I was just stressing myself out. But now, even though I don't do it in that way anymore, I, I, I think, when do my best ideas come to me? Usually when I tr let go, when I try to meditate, that's what I remember, oh, I needed to do this, or 
a good idea will hit me out of nowhere. So I was just thinking if I only knew that back then, I probably would have had much more original ideas and they would have came effortlessly when I was trying not to have them. Yeah. And so I know you are up to a lot, though. I know you have clients, you're doing workshops, you're doing trainings. So how do you navigate your schedule? How do you do you do you have boundaries for for taking care of yourself throughout the week? How do you how do you navigate that? It's a great question. And I'll I'll start with the boundaries. My personal practice is really important. And I'll get multiple reminders if I'm getting away from that or not over or if I'm overlooking something that I need to address that because I originally start out on this path to heal myself. That was the most important thing. And I'm finding that that's still the most important thing. If I don't do the best work on myself, I'm not going to be able to share with others my best work either and allow them to do their best work. I need to test this stuff out on myself and keep doing it. So it helps me keep an integrity. I'm not just telling people what to do. I can speak from experience. Like this is what this helped me with at this stage. And then later on at that stage. So I'm not just reading the benefits off a website or something like that. So personal practice is very important. And even trying out other healing modalities. If life gets really crazy, sometimes I have to step back and it's nice to go to someone else too. And that's a perspective of mine that changed because when I was first starting out, there were lots of gurus and well-regarded healers and they were idolized. They were seen as perfect and myself included, but a lot of other people were always let down when they'd find out they weren't perfect. And then they would just throw away the practice too. Even though there was some great stuff from it, they just thought because that person that who they looked up to as some type of infallible being did have flaws and like, like we all do. So that's another thing I recommend too. Don't idolize anyone, no matter how far up they are or whatever their persona seems, especially on social media, because you could kind of, just pick and choose what you want to show and you don't really know the person because a lot of times when you actually meet the person, they're so much different and they're not actually like that in real life. So that's another thing that's important to me is actually having consistency, being that person that I'm talking about, not just trying to sell anyone anything, just demonstrate how these healing modalities worked on me or spiritual practices and that way, if someone sees that and it resonates with them, then they can reach out and learn about it. So it's not just a business practice. I don't want that was really hard for me because I had a business background, but I didn't like it. I I avoided that. So I had to figure out a way to own a business while it not being businessy, if that makes sense. Cause I could never hard sell or do anything like that. From my experience. The only way on this path is in. The only way on this path is in. The only medicine we ever have to give is the medicine we're willing to take. Um, and from my my clinical training, you know, you 
yeah, you know, therapy was recommended, but then you were just given a lot of textbooks and you were and you were taught this language and you were taught these theories and and that was considered enough to go and be a healer within this framework, to go and be a clinician. It's not enough. It's not it's not even close to enough because there's lots of therapists out there terribly anxious and depressed. And it's not like you said, we're not supposed to be perfect, but we we are invited to do the work. We are invited to, because if we're not doing the work, you know, our capacity to give is limited. We, we can't really see the possibilities for what, how other people can grow if we don't see it for ourselves. You know, it just, that limitation, it creeps into everything. You know, our theories are probably going to be something like, well, depression, anxiety, those are, these are just things to be managed because uh, on the inside, well, I've had to manage them. So how could you get better if I couldn't get better? And and it's really hard to see outside of ourselves in that sense. If we don't see what's possible for ourselves, very rarely are we going to be able to see what's possible for other people. So it's required. The only way is in. And I'm with you. The, the hard selling was never my thing. And it triggered me a lot, actually, because coming from the clinical world, you really didn't have to do that. You know, you worked at a clinic, you worked at a hospital, wherever, and, and you just got, you got, honestly, you got more patients than you could handle, way more. So that was really never an issue. And then I step outside that world and it's like, oh, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. People are dancing and pointing at themselves. I don't even know what the fuck any of this means. Supposedly it's connected to healing and working with coaches or, and you know, there's a, all of a sudden there's just a lot of ego and but it was actually really important growth for me because I got to see my own ego. I got to see, you know, you spot it, you got it, which I will, I will stand by. And so I got to see what was triggering me so deeply and, and how I wanted to chart my own path in this, in the, in the wild west of alternative methods. Yeah. It's interesting being a business owner today especially a spiritual business owner, because it's anything goes, you see just about anything. I remember when I first started, I opened one of my social media apps and all I saw was dancing people pointing at stuff. <laughs> and I had no idea what was going on and why is everyone doing this? And that was an issue for me because one of the things I realized on this path is it's important to be our authentic self, our best version of ourselves. We don't have to be anyone else and we shouldn't strive to be. It's okay to share ideas and work together, things like that. But if, if you're following this path, you shouldn't feel like you have to emulate anyone else. Just try to find your original voice and don't resort to tacky sales methods. And this isn't to judge anyone who does that. I understand it gets the most views. I can see why people do that. But it also misrepresents what it is, too, because there's people just dancing and dancing and dancing, making it look like it's fun. And it is, but it's not that fun when you do it that long. You want to take a break at some point. So it's not like dancing is all you have to do to heal. You could certainly wiggle out some trauma in here and there. But it's not the be-all, end-all either. And I think social media makes healing seem a lot simpler than it is. And you also don't want to overcomplicate it because you can do that too. 
especially in our culture, we tend to like to, we tend to think if something's not ridiculously complicated and having multiple steps and it might not even be working. So that's the other, the opposite end of the spectrum. But at the same time, it's not just fun, fun, fun. And I think that's a bad message because people have confided in me, like when they first started out, they saw that the love and light stuff. And when it wasn't like that for them, they thought they were doing it wrong, that they weren't healing, that there was something wrong with them, which isn't true either because we do have a shadow side and that's okay. So that's my message. No judgment to the people doing that. But at the same time, I think people that are searching for something more need to know it's okay that it's not like that for them either. It's okay to have negative emotions. And that's not even the best term because anger, sadness, those are just natural emotions. And you're allowed to feel them. In fact, it's much healthier because then you can let them pass and they don't get stored in us. Like you referenced that book, The Body Keeps the Score. So I think it's good to have a wider knowledge of what's really, what the healing path is really like rather than how it's presented in some ways. It's in moments like these where I'm I'm grateful for my path because it was interesting. In the clinical world, it was mostly about the the shadows it was actually mostly shadow work it's like there's all this trauma we're gonna have to dig through the mud of this but i actually got a little fed up with that because there was not enough light frankly there were not enough people willing to expand beyond the diagnoses and actually see what was possible but then like you said in the alternative realm it's people who are who are very confident uh and wanting to portray um their own joy and satisfaction and and achievements in, in which is great but it's but neither neither part is completely true so i'm grateful for that to be this bridge and have seen both realms because yeah it there's no need for self punishment for for being with the dark stuff being on planet earth is about light and dark and there may be some enlightened beings who walk this earth who who don't experience any more shadows i you know i'm i'm open to that idea but for most of us that's not the case and that's okay that's that's not necessarily what's meant for us at least not for now i like to stay open to the possibilities but i also feel that when we ask when we choose to manifest when we put our desires out into the universe what we get back is often the nonlinear path. What we get back is this the stuff we need to work through first to get to the light. That's that's kind of how it works. So the idea of not doing it right is it's judgment, it's self-judgment, and it's yeah, we can certainly feed into to to what we see. And and that's just really you know, feeding into the comparison of what we see, whether it's whether it's healers or or really anyone else, is just I think I think that speaks to our culture, which is how freely available comparison is uh, in the age of the internet and media, and how easily accessible it is to see people who are do who are doing or saying things that seem to be better than us and and rarely do we get a chance to honor our own path you know we're talking about this applies to every element of life but yeah i had to 
I didn't have to, but I chose to chart my own path, which very few people understood in the moment. And some people understand a little bit better now, but the truth is my life is mysterious. I don't, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not sure I ever will. I'm not sure that's the point. But I've chosen to honor this, uh, this, this guidance. And I think when, when you look back on the people that you idolize and respect and look up to, they, you know, we're all influenced. We're all influenced by the environment and by the culture we come up in and we can have mentors and guides, but it comes from within. The good stuff, the truth of who you are, it comes from within. And and we don't get that by um, trying to make our paths look exactly like someone else's. No, definitely not. And I think that's one of the most difficult parts of this path is we're in uncharted territory. We can have guides that will give us information, but there's so much you have to do on your own, especially in those initial stages of awakening or healing. It's a very lonely process. If you're doing the inner work, no one can do that for you. You have to look in and base some harsh truths about yourself. Like you also brought up, it can get heavy if you're just doing the dark stuff, but I don't recommend it because then it's easy to give up. It might be too much for you if you're doing all that all at once or if it's just if it's just darkness all if the time. If there's no light, yeah, it's going to be challenging. Yeah, that's not true either. There are good moments as well. And one of my first teachers, because I got introduced to Buddhism early on in my path, he brought up balance. And I've heard it referenced from other teachers as well. And I think balance really is one of the most important things. You don't want too much of one thing, whether it's the dark or light. You can switch, deal with whatever you're ready for at that time. You definitely want to go inwards, like I was saying, but it's okay to take a break and do something low vibrational. I enjoy, would your enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. I would say purposely do something low vibrational, but if you catch yourself falling into an old habit, you don't need to shame yourself because that will make it harder to break that old habit you know, or easier to fall back into it. Just step back, be mindful, Acknowledge how it made you feel. Is this really helping me? Or wow, I slipped, but let yourself know that's okay. And then just go back on the path rather than being devastated and making a big production about it. Just know that you're human and you can go back to pursuing what you were doing before that. It's why so many, so many diets and, um, and a, a fads and attempts at self improvement fail because if it's like we if we and and this this applies to like things like sobriety as well if we fall off the wagon so to speak if if when we do so we're just met with so much shame and self punishment um, it typically leads to a spiral and and those can be those can actually be the biggest teachers is when we're quote unquote not doing it right not living in the highest vibrational frequency every fucking second of our life you know it's like we get so profound I, I do i have a very i have a, can have a very obsessive and compulsive mind at times 
or have in the past. And so it's recognizing that 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 carries over, that can insidiously infect the healing path too. Am I doing it all right? Am I meditating enough? Am I doing this enough? Am I enough? And really, at the end of the day, we just want to to know we're enough. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with how many practices we're doing in a day or or, or how much we're aligning with some. Now, I've changed my life a lot because I feel a hell of a lot better doing it. And I have a lot more light and love in changing. But it didn't, but a lot of those changes were they were intuitive. They and 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 things came to me at a divine time and readiness when I was ready to hear it. I, I they weren't like super planned or well thought out. I reached various points of desperations and I still experience plenty of fear and doubt and and lose my way all the time because the way isn't charted. <laughs> the way isn't chartered. So um that kind of is the point, is the ebb and flow. And it's kind of when we go into those quote lower frequency places or those valleys or those dips that if we can hold a light if we can honor ourselves for moving through those periods for needing rest for for needing to be with the shadows or whatever that that really does seem to slingshot us that much further into the light when we move through it because we we're able to hold a higher perspective while our body goes through what it needs to do and and the word intention was coming to mind as well, because when we when we choose to engage in whatever we want, if there's intention behind it, if we intentionally want to eat something, use a substance, do whatever, if there's intention behind it, then then I'm not, you know, I don't think there really is right or wrong on this planet. It's mostly about what the intention is and what the energy where the energy is coming from. You know, we could be eating broccoli every day, doing what I mean. Well, now dieting is so uh, mixed and up in the air. I think you know some people don't even eat vegetables anymore and think that that's the way to be it. But um, but you could be you could be eating as healthy and 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 living as healthily as you as you want. But if it's based in fear, if the if the intention is to, you know, on some level to avoid something or to be enough, that may not get you there either. Exactly. And it finished a thought I had previous to this. When you asked how do I come up with events and things like that, I found the best ways to let it happen organically. Whenever I try to like force something or think I want to do this, it didn't pan out, at least not the way I wanted to. But now usually someone will reach out. Oh, do you offer a sound healing class or something to that extent? And then it gets me thinking, okay, that's where I'm being called to. I don't know if you read the surrender experiment. Oh yeah. Michael Singer. Michael Singer. Yes. And that's where I learned that idea. Just the universe will provide what you need, the people and the circumstances. So it's more about letting go and listening to the signs than trying to just come up with all these ideas and just, Foursome on everything and everyone. So that's the way I found it's best to find where I'm being called to next. The universe is going to place me where I need to be, bring me the people that I need to help. So that's how I deal with that. And to come back to what you just said, yeah, I had this Ayurvedic teacher years ago, and she would say people that cheat on their diet to eat a slice of chocolate cake. 
that worry they have and that shame they give themselves over eating that piece is really worse than just eating one small slice of chocolate cake one time. So you're right. It's okay to slip. We don't need to be judgmental on ourselves. As long as we're making progress in the long term, give yourself credit because it's so hard to do. And a lot of the times we don't even, we're not even aware of all the ways we're supporting ourselves. We're not even aware that sometimes when we're suffering, we are healing. Sometimes when we're suffering, we are progressing. Sometimes when we're slipping, we are progressing because it's enabling us to be with whatever those feelings are that show up and to practice being okay with it. And that, that in, like you said, in some ways, the, the energy behind that is more powerful than eating the right thing. Yeah, our thoughts definitely carry a lot of influence on the rest of our body. I, I believe you talked about Dr. Joe Dispenza before, right? Yeah, I love uh, Dispenza's work. It was something that was hugely impactful for me. Just learning about the energetic body, just energy-based language, which you know gets into this discussion about what is energy, what is spiritual energy compared to electromagnetic fields of energy that can be uh, proven in physics. And I don't know, I almost wonder if it's, if on some level it's along the same spectrum, we just can't, we just can't measure that level of energy yet. But, but that started to amplify my own practice, my own meditation, my own healing and, and the energy, you know, and I think we can get caught up a little bit, particularly when people, when, when you get into some of the language of creating your reality and being watchful of your thoughts, it can be a little bit like, if well, if I'm not having positive thoughts, I must be off track. And that can, you know, and I, I work with people who get a little caught up in that, same with sort of the Abraham Hicks language. And I think we meet, we need to make space for where we're at. We're, we're not necessarily leapfrogging to only positive thinking, but what we can do is find our way back to peace, find our way back to safety. And that process is so powerful. It's that's how we get to, you know, a space where we don't even have a positive, we don't even have a negative thought, but we get there by going through the cycles. And that principle, the from the, you know, that you mentioned from the surrender experiment, that alone changed my life. Being able to see things as a medicine, being able to see that what was coming into my life from frequency language, aligning it with sort of, law of attraction and and this is where i'm at i'm calling in these partners or these people or these opportunities because this is where i'm this is what i need to grow through and and learn from to get to where i want to be uh as well as just trusting that that the universe does provide that it does provide if we ask it doesn't always provide in the way we might choose or want but it does provide and seeing it that way that is a way that I continuously remind myself to to relax, to relax. That it actually, I'm not, I'm not making all of this happen. This is happening to me, for me. And um, that does alleviate some of the pressures of my own ego. Absolutely. And to address the first thing you said, you definitely don't need to think positive thoughts all the time. There is a term for that line of thinking. They're calling it toxic positivity. 
you are allowed to grieve and feel these other emotions. If things aren't going great, in fact, it's better be mindful and, and realize these things are happening because otherwise, if you're just ignoring the obvious, it's not going to help you. That's another way. They call it spiritual bypassing too. And it's really good to see what's going on with you and how you're feeling rather than just pretending that something else is happening. Yeah, I've heard I've heard those terms. I think people, I think we get a little, we love labels. We love labeling things. So I think we get a little carried away with labels. People go around saying, this is spiritual bypassing. This is toxic positivity. Blah, blah. It's like once we label something, it takes on a life of its own. And so then we just start using it and throwing it around. But but the reality is, is I think all we ever really need to do is be with what's there. And when if we're noticing that we're pushing, if we're noticing that we're striving, if we're noticing that I'm really working hard to manifest or to think positively, then if I and I can notice where the resistance is and where the stress is and I work on settling in. That's I think that's all we ever really need. To, and sometimes I can't. Sometimes I'm stuck in resistance and it's not. But um, what I will say for me is if I can get to the if if I can experience peace, I will always choose it. I will always choose it. I will always choose peace. But yeah, sometimes that's not where we're at. Although, you know, it's an interesting twist of language because Oftentimes, I find when we do accept the feelings for what they are, there is peace there too. There, there's peace in the sadness. There's peace in allowing, uh, I don't know, anger is a tricky one. I don't often find a whole lot of peace in allowing the anger to boil over. But but there's an acceptance. There's a level of acceptance there. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say uh, there's peace in allowing in sort of those really low, those really toxic emotions of, of, of shame and guilt. Although what I also, what I often feel about those as emotions is they're often blockages to allowing other parts to emerge. You know, shame is almost like shame often shows up as a resistance to, to allowing ourselves to be with certain parts. Shame is rarely the thing that we need to be with. In a way, I mean, acknowledging that there's shame is certainly important. You know, I've carried a lot of shame and then I've gone through periods where I thought I'd sort of worked through it only to see that it was sort of coming out in other ways. So it's certainly important to see that and to feel it. Though what I often feel about some of those feelings is that they're often guarding against allowing ourselves to be seen in other ways. And that's really what I think we all want is just is just to be seen for who we are and to trust that that's okay. Definitely. And you're right. You, It's very hard to be peaceful while you're angry. But I found if I notice I'm angry, and it's usually because someone crossed a boundary, if I express that peacefully, but assertively, and the person acknowledges it and agrees to respect it, then I feel so good afterwards. It's like a, breathing a sigh of relief. So there's ways... So obviously not the anger itself isn't peaceful, but if you handle it peacefully and are able to express that because you acknowledge it and know you're feeling that rather than just ignore, it does let it pass 
so much more smoothly, I found. Yeah. I'm still working on that myself. <laughs> but it is, it is because you because because anger is just anger is really showing us that that a part of us is feeling violated and that and that we're just wanting to speak our truth. And we can discover ways of speaking our truth without without the reactivity. Exactly. And I found this is the first time that I've found happiness. Like there's generally moments I'm happy with what I have, even if it's not material, materially a lot. And before that, I never found it. I was wondering why I was focusing more on objects or goals. But now that I'm looking at myself and what I can do for other people, on top of that, I have meaning and purpose in my life too. And I think that alone really helps against depression and other mental ailments like that. Because if you're just living without any real purpose, when you're called to be doing more, of course you're going to be depressed. If you've been giving these gifts and you're not utilizing or sharing them, not fulfilling your soul's purpose, I, I think that's, and it's not the only one, but that could definitely lead to depression for sure. And I think what we often see is that what we thought we what we were chasing, what we thought was important, is was rarely so. Is rarely so because the brain really isn't wired for happiness. The conditioned mind isn't uh, doesn't really understand how to actually get us what we want because the most cliche saying of all, what what we want is within. It it's the feelings we we want to feel a certain way, so we chase a lot of things to to help us get there, but. But that's not really the way in. That's not really the way in. Exactly. Especially in my generation, we were raised on music videos and just these ridiculous movies and TV shows in general. And I didn't have the most down-to-earth parents either. So, But the stuff they portrayed, really, while it seemed fun on, on the screen, in reality, that would most likely be a nightmare. So, I mean, there could be some good aspects I mean, if you have more money, you can live more comfortably and not have to worry about that. But it also generates a lot more problems. It's not the only answer either. There's so much more to it, and which is why a lot of rich people are miserable. Happiness isn't what we were told. It's not what our culture told us. It wasn't what our society told us. Wasn't what our parents necessarily taught us, unless we were a few that did have some that were awake on some level. And it's certainly not what the media portrayed it as. So you really have to go looking and do research and do self-reflection to find out what it is that you're really here for and what you're truly desiring, not just what you were told you desire and think it's what you desire. Absolutely. That is that is the path. Happiness is not what we were told. <laughs> happiness is not what we were told and and uh i think as a society we would uh we would do a lot better and i think it's probably happening as kids if 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 we got to experience that a bit more reflect on our emotional capacities and and what it actually and to to honor the the good feelings that kids naturally have most most of the time or, or 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 recognizing the blockages that are there to the feelings and and a little bit less of 
what we supposedly need to strive for to get that will that will alleviate it yes and it does when you mention the next generation the kids that will be raised by conscious parents it does make me wonder because i believe i was a sensitive kid even though i don't remember everything but i desensitized a lot because the world encourages that you'll get farther if you're callous so I had to resensitize, like I said, a little bit later on in my life, which is possible. I might not be able to go back to how I was exactly, but you can start realizing your gifts and becoming more intuitive again, which I, I believe that you've talked about before. But I always have to wonder what humans are really capable of if we weren't exposed to all these toxins in our food and water and the environment. What is our real natural state before all this? Uh, because I know we're capable of so much more than we've been taught. I've seen that for myself and heard it from other people. But I always wonder what we're, what's possible. And hopefully we can find that out with this new generation where the parents are encouraging emotional intelligence and spiritual gifts. Oh, I have no doubt this next generation of souls is going to be raising the frequency, bringing the light, and uh, and teaching us more than a few things. I already, I already have the the soul of my daughter communicating with me, so she she's letting me know that <laughs> that when she comes into this earth, she's going to be quite powerful. So, um, I'll be ready to welcome her in. Yeah, uh, the possibilities. The possibilities, whether it's whether it's shedding the conditioning and getting back to some natural state, or really just seeing what is possible for where we can go, where we are meant to go um, as a species, as a, a as an expansion or an extension or a branch of consciousness itself. So, though it's it's quite a messy time. It's 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 a pretty exciting time too if if we allow ourselves to feel the excitement uh, in between looking at uh, disastrous and terrorizing news cycles. There's 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 some room for excitement on on uh, what it means to be alive at this time and place. Absolutely, and it's as you mentioned, it's very easy to fall into dark times right now because we're constantly bombarded with bad or terrifying news whether it's on a global scale or even just in our family lives. But you have to remember that there are good moments, even though prize of survival instincts, our bad experiences stand out more so we know to avoid them for future times. There really are good things happening, and it's important to enjoy those as well and to hold on to hope. As you also said, while it can be nerve-wracking times it's also exciting times we can really shift the consciousness and head into territory we haven't been before in recorded history that we know of and that'll be really interesting to see and that's why i hope more people that are having this initial awakening pursue it because we need all hands on deck we could really turn this planet around Find out what we're really capable of. Live in a more an abundant state where we're helping each other out rather than in competition. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. 
Well, this is uh, this has been a pleasure, Johnny. I'm I'm really happy to have you on and get a chance to connect with you in this way, as as we've been able to do in person a few times. And I look forward to doing it more. Is there is there anything else you'd like to share? And then I'll just ask where where people can find you or anything you'd like to share about about what you have coming up. Just that if anyone's on their healing path, especially early on. I know it can get overwhelming. There's a lot of different healing modalities and a lot of different practices. But just if you ever find yourself at a crossroads, just sit on it. The answer will come to you. You'll get called onto the path you're supposed to be on. As we both talked about the surrender experiment, it'll come to you. You don't need to overthink it. Just relax. Enjoy the path. You can make the healing journey more stressful than than before you were on it. But the important thing is to just make notes of all the progress you made because you can really change the person you are in a very short amount of time. I've done a complete 180, and if I've done it, then anyone can do it. And if anyone wants to find me, the easiest way is probably my website, just johnnysage.com. And it has my contact info there. But if they want to reach out, my email's healerjohnny at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thanks so much for being here, Johnny. And uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for having me on. It was great talking to you. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, or head over to my Patreon page to become a member of the Be The Vessel community with exclusive monthly benefits and to connect with me directly. You may also find me on Instagram at drdaniel underscore Atkins or through my website, drdanielatkins.com, where you can also subscribe to my newsletter to stay updated on all happenings. I'd love to hear from you. Until then, may you be the light, the frequency, and the vessel for your highest vision.